Hey there, Fat Guy Forum fans. This is Gourmet with a quick note before we get the episode started. I have something exciting to tell you about. We have launched the Fat Guy Forum Patreon. That's right. You can now become a monthly supporter of the show for just a few dollars, less than a cup of coffee a month. You can support keeping these amazing dude stories coming to you. And there's even a bonus at one of the tiers that I think is going to be very exciting. I have some great ideas to come to as we develop this, but I wanted to get it launched and in your hands. So if you enjoy what you hear on this show and you want to help me to keep it coming to you, please go over to that link in the show notes, and that is patreon.com slash keto. Thank you so much, my friends, and on to the show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I hope you are ready for another deep dive into the story of, of a great dude who has dealt with weight and health issues that we're going to get into, and you're going to hear what what he's done. So I don't want to I don't want to give too much away. Tonight's guest is Michael Buckles, and Michael, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm glad we're getting a chance to talk, and we're going to get right into it with that first question that I ask every guest, and that's, Michael, tell us, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Uh, well, I guess the the biggest thing that I can say is I used to be the husky kid, um, so I don't there's a lot of people who might not know what Husky is, but uh, as a kid growing up, I shopped in the Husky department. So that automatically, I should get a, an award for that. Um, so, yeah, um, and I also just, I kind of have had my ups and downs as far as losing weight and gaining weight. And um, I did pretty good in high school, lost uh, quite a bit. I was a chunky kid, but in high school... Um, lost it. And then in college, um, started, uh, gaining weight, kind of hit the party scene a little bit, had my indulgences, uh, my binges. And, um, you know, um, later on as a, as a young adult, um, kind of kept my bad habits, uh, started using, uh, food and alcohol, uh, to deal with, depressions and emotions and um just kind of gained and gained and gained didn't lose it as much as when i was younger and um you know had my struggles so that's uh, what qualifies me to be a, a fat guy yeah and and so take us into the details like in in terms of like how much where were you at when you got to your your heaviest like what was life like then um, uncomfortable, um, you know, I guess at my heaviest, uh, you know, I was in my, maybe 340, just guessing, and, um, started hitting, uh, little milestones of, uh, being super uncomfortable, uh, I think some of the biggest things might have been, when you start running out of um, places to, to shop and and wear clothes before you would have to start hitting, you know, specialty stores and the catalogs. Um, I know that there's a lot of a lot of people 
uh, in our circle uh, who definitely uh, did reach those plateaus and milestones of, you know, shopping out of the, the big catalogs and specialty stores. But I think I kind of reached that point before I got there. Um, and it was just, you know, the milestones of not being able to, to fit in the booths anymore, uh, having to, to rearrange the tables to sit comfortably and doing the walk of shame at, uh, amusement parks where, you know, uh, being turned away from rides and not being able to fit in the, in the test seats and just those, those kind of things. And, and was it like, like growing up, you know, from the Husky kid to a, an, an overweight adult, like what part of your, you know, like, I, I, I think one of the things that we get into, you know, we all kind of within our own stories is like, what was it like for you? Like, what kind of mental energy did, did it take up? Was it something you were concerned about constantly or was it just you had kind of gotten into that being your life? Um, well, as a kid, I really didn't focus it on, on it that much. Um, no one really made fun of me or told me that I was fat. I just, uh, you know, mom took me to the Husky store and that's just how it was. Um, didn't really focus on it too much. Um, never had to, never got made fun of really. Uh, and then in high school, I stayed super active. So I lost a, I lost a lot of weight in high school just through, um, activity. And, um, I guess then, uh, it was in, in college, uh, where I started, uh, gaining the weight. Um, and that was through, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of food indulgences. Um, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. I think a lot of people go through that pattern. Like, there's probably a guy, a lot of guys listening that here, because there's that change that happens when you get into college and you kind of get out on your own a little, little less. Even just whether it's truly enforced restriction or just kind of like that restriction of routine that you're in with, you know, high school athletics or even just the high school routine like having access and being able to kind of start to make some choices on your own. Like it's almost like we're not given a guidebook about that. So it, I think it's easy to fall into those patterns. Yeah. And even, you know, about as, as far as how I felt about it, even when I was in college and I was getting bigger, it really was kind of accepted because, um, you know, I was, it was done in a group thing. It wasn't like I was just, sitting and isolating myself and eating um we were going out uh you know socially and we would drink and then you know at night after drinking we'd all go out and eat and then you know we'd wake up and call each other and and go out and and eat uh we would you know go to the um uh, like the hibachi japanese places and and it was almost like um, it was almost a challenge, you know, who could eat more rice, you know, like we'd order and be like, I want extra, extra rice. And then someone would try and up you and they'll be like, oh yeah, well I want extra, extra, extra rice. And, and it was, it was just things like that. Um, we'd go to a Chinese restaurant and, and it was almost like a badge of honor of who could have the most plates. 
things like that. So it really was, even as I was getting bigger and, and my clothes were, you know, getting tighter, um, I didn't really feel judged with, you know, my friends and everything. It, it only until it hit me like mentally and, and personally did, did it start to bother me. And so let, let's get into that. Like what, what happened that it really started to hit you, you know, kind of mentally and personally, like take us into when was it, it went from, this was just Michael's life to Michael's life was really getting impacted. Um, I, I think after, you know, college and I started um, being more on my own, um, you know, having, um, you know, kind of out of, out of that scene, um, you, you start to reflect more and, and you look back on, um, you look back on yourself and, um, you know, you still might like to eat Chinese food, but you're not going out with your friends. Maybe you're going out by yourself and you just, I just started feeling like I was a, like a glutton and you go out there and you're like, you know, you start noticing other people eating by themselves and, man, they're pretty big. And you look at yourself and you're like, man, they're not much bigger than I am. I'm going to be there very soon. And, um, you know, so you kind of do that. And then you, you start to notice your physical activity, um, that you can't do things. You, you start to notice that as you're tying your shoes, you're, you're out of breath. Um, you know, you, you have, uh, you start making excuses of why you can't do things. And, um, and then mentally it just, um, you know, it affects you as well. Um, you start to have the, uh, depression and the, um, you know, self-esteem issues. And, uh, I think before, you know, when you're younger, you might deal with the same things through food, but as you get older, you're still dealing it with it the same way. You know, you're eating, you're binging, whatever, but, um... I think you just start to uh, acknowledge it more that you uh, may have addictions or, or, or things like that. And would you describe, I mean, do you, do you describe yourself as, as having had, you know, a, a binging problem or an, a food addiction issue? Oh yes, definitely. Most definitely. And I would still say that I do. And that's what's so scary about it. You know, um, I've done good to have lost weight and, and to have made positive changes in my life. And, um, you know, just so, um, just so scared all the time that it could happen again. And, um, you know, I, I know from following you that you have gone through the, the same thing as, as far as gaining the weight, uh, losing it and then gaining it right back again. And, and um, it's so easy to do, uh, it, and it can happen so quick. But yeah, I'm definitely, I would say that I have a, an addictive personality as far as when it comes to, to food, um, you know, and in my past, um, addiction, I think, led a lot to that. Um, drinking, you know, I mentioned earlier that I would go out and, and drink with friends and stuff, and the drinking uh, lowers your uh, inhibitions and and just made you, um, you know, you eat. Uh, 
to try and sober up maybe, or is it, we would go out and, and drink and then we would go to, you know, one of the 24 hour pancake places. And, and I would get like the, there was this place at Perkins called the tremendous 12. It's like one of the largest things you can get 12 items. And, and man, that was just another badge of honor that you would have. And then, um, you know, we, uh, you're talking about addictions and, and things, um, smoked a lot of weed as well and uh if you have uh you know if you're trying to with the with the smoking of uh of uh the weed then you have uh the munchies as well and that's just not a good that's just not a good combination and um so that that added a lot of pounds uh that there alone and uh just which eventually I think led into the, you know, my diabetes. I was just wanted to throw that out there. Um, you know, gaining the weight, uh, eating, uh, as much as I did, uh, becoming diabetic. And, um, but anyway, going back to the addictions, um, I definitely dealt with that, grew up, had kids and, um, you know, had to stop some of those things that I used to do um, uh, you know, quite a bit, and, um, you know, but although I might not drink and, and smoke anymore, I, I still have those food addictions that even today I have to, to watch out for. I, I still could easily just, you know, binge or, you know, to be honest with you, I could, I could actually drink as well. I mean, I still like to have a beer or, um, a mixed drink, especially when I'm on the grill, but, uh, you know, I, I have to be really uh, careful because uh, I could easily turn that beer into a six-pack or I could easily, you know, turn a couple of Roman Cokes into lots of Roman Cokes. And that, again, is going to make me lower my inhibitions and just want to binge eat. And to be honest with you, I don't even have to – I don't even have to um, – be intoxicated to to binge eat um i have to be careful with my with my snacks even if they're keto snacks um that one little uh when you have like the rebel ice cream and it says three servings i try not to pay attention to oh there's only five net carbs in the whole carton um you know that can get out of hand um there's three servings in there but man i could easily just down that and another if i'm not careful um yeah, that's a that's a big issue. No, I just have to watch my portion control. And it, it sounds like it. And looking at like this eating behavior and, and your weight and, and kind of the way everything contributed to it, like you brought up another topic is you were when were you diagnosed with with diabetes? Um, I think I was officially diagnosed. Oh man. Probably like maybe 12 years ago, but I didn't take it seriously. I um, um, went to a doctor and, and, you know, at first she's like borderline, you're borderline diabetic. Um, let's get you on some medications. And then she went on to, um, well, you're no longer borderline. Why don't you, let's start you on some insulin. And I would be like, well... I don't want to do that. Let me see if I can, let me see if I can fix it. Let me see if I can control it. And then 
basically I just kind of ran away from her and uh, just kind of lived with it. Uh, probably just lived with my diabetes for quite a while until uh, it got so out of hand that I had to go into the walk-in clinic and my sugars were like, you know, in the 400s. And then that's when I officially went to a doctor and started medicine. And I would say that that was probably maybe four. I'm, I'm just going to guess four yeah. years. Sure. And because and that's one of the things is like I, I've talked to some guests that, you know, I've talked to a few guys that developed diabetes and some that didn't. And I think it's something that people should obviously hear more about because of how driven it is by those behaviors you were, you were, you know, partaking in like food, you know, weight, food, even probably alcohol to some extent. Like what, what were the things that I'm curious, you because you're probably the first person I'm getting to kind of really get into this a little deeper with like how, so you talked about, you know, eventually going, you know, to a clinic and get finding out that your blood sugar was extremely high. Like, what were you noticing that was giving you that concern? Like, what were the, the warning signs or the, the effects that you were starting to see? Oh, man, there were so many warning signs, uh, but it was just it was just getting to the point to where it was getting scary. Like, um, but the biggest thing was uh, my vision was starting to um, kind of fade in and fade out, starting to get like a little bit of tunnel vision. Uh, where things would just kind of get narrow, um, and that was that was scary. Getting, um, you know, just lightheaded. Uh, but what comes before that is um, the need to pee all the time. You're basically, uh, as soon as you drink something, the need to to pee it out. The, the flushing out these extra sugars. Your body can't process and um the sugar so the only way that it can once it reaches that point is to to pee it out so you're just constantly you know starting to you have to use the bathroom all the time um so that's a big inconvenience <laughs> mm, oh for sure and um no, go, go ahead. ahead no i, I, I go ahead good ahead. it's okay uh, I was I was just going to say, as far as other symptoms, it, it just got so uh, scary that, you know, you your sugars at 400, I think, are considered critical. And mine was way up over that. So I went into a um, went into urgent health care and they immediately, you know, wanted to put me on some some insulins and to bring it down. And I had to find a doctor and, you know, to, to treat me with that. So, um but those those were the the main symptoms right there, and it it just scared me. So that was yeah. That's all I had to say about that. And was that experience like what do you consider? Was that a at that point was it really a turning point that you decided you needed to do something, or was that more okay? This is happening to me, and I'll just take the medicine they're telling me. Like where where did things go for you from there? You know, four years ago. Well, it was it was kind of scary, um, for that, but still at the time, I just, it, it still didn't really phase me. Just like when you go to the doctor and they say, well, you need to lose weight or, you know, because you're going to have, um, high blood pressure, you're going to have, um, you know, increased risk of heart disease, things like that. It did not phase me. Um, even when they're telling me, 
you know, you're diabetic and this could happen and, you know, it can affect your sex drive and all this. It just did not bother me. They, they tried to tell me all these things that it could do and it, it just wasn't phasing me. And when I, when I got so bad that, you know, I found out that it could, you know, give you a, a coma when your sugars get so high, then I started getting a little nervous. But then, you know, you get on the medicine, things start going down a little bit, and uh, you're using the medicine, um, and, and things are working. Then you start falling back into old habits. You're like... Uh, thinking that you're in, invincible, and um, I can remember, you know, with my metformin or whatever, I'd, I'd have a, a piece of chocolate cake, and they're like, aren't you diabetic? I'm like, yeah, but if I take this medicine, it makes everything okay. It's just, you know, I joke around with it that I could still have it because I was on insulin and, and metformin and, and all this other stuff. Which I think is a common thing that, that people go through, like, you know, when it's we're in such a culture where it, it is, you know, take keep your behaviors going as they are because you can take a pill or you can you can take the medicine you need and don't I, I'm not saying that medicines aren't saving people's lives at all, like not trying to imply that, sure. but when you know, when it's a disease like type two diabetes that is so driven by behavior and I think it, it it's just what's the best way like it's powerful. It speaks to that that power of of not just food, you know food and food addiction that we're able to to make it be okay. That okay now I'm on these medicines that I'm gonna have to keep taking because I'm gonna keep eating these things. Yeah, we um, we'd like to think that there's a pill for everything, but there's but there's not. Like. Uh, you know, even though they might try and say that there's a um, a pill to help you lose weight, there's not really. I mean, I know they have a couple of things that they're like, oh, you can you take this pill and you can lose three percent of your body weight. That's nothing, you know. Uh, that's where we find out that you know there's nothing that can really help you, but just to do it, do the work. So um, let's let's talk about what got you to the point. What what do you consider to be your turning point in, in all of this? Like what, what happened that finally got you to, to decide you needed to make some change? Well, I was tired of being on all the medicine. Um, the, I was on, um, expensive insulin. I was on, um, like once a week injectables, like Trulicity as long and the metformin. And, um, super, super expensive medicines. These medicines that the doctor says you need to take to live, you just could not afford it. And um, I felt really bad. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to have a family budget and everything. And, and it put a lot of pressure on me because I felt like that I was uh, being a burden because I had to take these medicines. And um, so I tried several different things. Um, diet being, you know, trying to, to get off of them. And the doctor that I had was pretty aggressive. He just wanted me to keep taking these medicines. He was, a um, more focused on, um, the medicines, uh, treating everything. And, um, so long story short, as, as far as getting there, 
Um, tried several things, uh, just wasn't working. Uh, ended up getting a, a new doctor and um, got my blood sugar back kind of under control, but still it wasn't where it needed to be. Uh, he wanted me to uh, use even more medicine, uh, increase my insulin, uh, add to the cost of it because I was taking more. And I was just like, I've got to do something. I've, I've got to do something. And um, I started uh, doing research um, on the on the computer as far as um, trying to find ways to reverse diabetes. And um, without medicine, I mean that wasn't that wasn't my main search. Like, how do I find it without medicine? But just how to reverse diabetes. And some of the things that would come up would be uh, fasting and um, the ketogenic diet. And I was totally, um, when keto first came up, I was actually vegan. Um, I was trying to reverse my diabetes uh, by being um, not just vegetarian, but straight up vegan. And um, that was, that was kind of hard. But um, so I started doing keto and, and fasting and um, lo and behold, my sugar was um, plummeting. It was dropping. And I said, I asked my doctor way up front, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this diet. And um, But I have concerns that my sugar may drop too fast. And I don't want, you know, I don't want the other end of the spectrum, you know, to, to drop lower rather than my sugar be high. And he gave me his full support. He was like, yeah, you can you can do that. And if you find that your sugar drops, we can adjust the medicine. And I was like, wow, that is awesome. I finally have a doctor who's not pushing the, the pharmaceuticals on me. And um, anyway, uh, my sugar started getting better and better like every month. And as a side effect, my weight was dropping, which, you know, it's all a, it's all a cycle. Um, if you lose the weight, uh, you can start to, to process, uh, your sugars better. And, um, you know, that's, that's just good because when you're, when you're taking insulin, it, it actually makes you gain weight. It can, it can make you gain weight, which is just, it's a, a whole catch 22, you know, um, for at least people that might be familiar with, with diabetes. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things that you know I've heard from several people is when they actually have to start using insulin that they they initially even see they see some some people can see a significant gain in weight. Yeah, exactly, and um, which which kind of defeats the purpose. So uh, you know your doctor tells you, oh, you need to uh, you need to lose weight so you don't become. Uh, diabetic and then they give you the insulin and it makes you gain weight so uh, that right there in itself so then i started researching on um how to you know once you become diabetic for a long time um your liver and pancreas is just shot it's like not functioning and and it's not the fact that you're not making insulin anymore you're making plenty of it when you're type 2 it's just your body doesn't know how to store it. It can't. It can't store it correctly. So, um, and your liver and pancreas it becomes so tired. So, one of the things that I read about was was fasting. Like if 
and it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's so stupid easy that it's like, you know, if you're not eating sugar, then you don't have to worry about sugar. It was like a big light bulb went off. I mean, it like makes too much sense. Um, so if I'm not eating all that processed sugar, then eventually your kidneys, not your kidneys, your liver and your pancreas is not working so hard. It gives it a chance to, to breathe and, and just relax, go on kind of like a vacation. And then you start fasting and, um, you know, you reach a certain amount of fasting time, you start getting into the autophagy part of it. And, um, you know, your pancreas and liver uh, starts to repair itself. So that's what I think that I was experiencing. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I might have strayed off a little no. bit there for me. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, you didn't, man. I, I think it, it, it's good stuff for people to hear this kind of evolution that you were going through like what you know kind of taking it step by step like the different pieces like picking up keto i'm curious like before we get because i do want to talk about you know fa what fasting has been like for you specifically and and all of this has been like now but i'm i, I think there's got to be some people out there listening that are, are also wondering like what was it like because when you say you were were you vegan just for nutritional reasons like and and what was that what was it like to go from being vegan to now eating a ketogenic diet, which tends to be heavier on the animal products? Oh, not I. I strictly went vegan for um, just for health reasons. Um, I worked at a um, I worked at a call center that had really good benefits, and one of the uh, benefits that it had was um, they would give you uh, physicals, you know, to through your insurance. They would come to your work and, and check your, uh, you know, your blood sugars and your biometrics and all of that. And if you were considered high risk, they had this program. They would send their employees to a, um, it's kind of like a fat camp. They would send them to California and um, uh, Santa Rosa area. It was uh, Dr. McDougal program who is a um, he's like a pioneer when it comes to um, you know being on a, a starch diet saying that carbs weren't bad and and um, you know it was a is a very expensive program so I was like and before I would have been like absolutely heck no I'm not gonna go vegetarian don't care about it no interest in it but at the same time I'm like hey, it's a free trip. I'm going to go to California. I'm going to go, uh, you know, meet somebody that knows what they're talking about. And then at the same time, I'm like, I'm going to put every bit of effort into this that I can. So I actually became, actually uh, bought his book, uh, started reading about uh, being vegan before I even went there on the plan. I think, um, on the on the program rather, and I think I started probably maybe a, I was a month or two vegan before I actually went to California, Santa Rosa area and um, got on the program on the McDougal program and uh, actually did pretty good. Uh, and they encourage you when you get there, they want you off of all of your medicines. They want you off your statins. They want you off your uh, diabetes medicines. But, and, and they would check your blood uh, 
levels as soon as you got there and then after you left to see how they would do. And um, so I I gave it my best shot and um, I didn't mind it. It was very it was very hard uh, to to go out to eat and find places that were you know that kind of lifestyle. Um, but I tried tried my best and um, you know my sugars did do good for a while. They went down. Um, enough to where I could lower some of my medicines, but, uh, after a while it didn't work anymore. My sugars would start to go back up and, um, I'm like, eh, that's the only reason I'm eating this lifestyle is because it's, it's helping my sugar. And if it's not helping me, then I'm done. Um, so transition. So eventually I went off of it. I, I think I was vegan uh, for almost a year, about 11 months. And, um, you know, just went back to my old ways and, um, you know, sugars went back up, weight went back up. And, um, you know, so for me to go keto, um, it was pretty, uh, pretty easy. Sure. No, that makes sense. And to, I, I think discovering keto and then discovering fasting is a, is a road that a lot of people go down, but so what was, how did you get into fasting? Like, I know you talked about kind of like why you discovered it, but what did it look like for you? Like, did you start with like an intermittent fast? Were you doing extended fasting? T- tell us a little bit about that. I think it was um, through intermittent fasting. Um, that would be the easiest way. And um, it just kind of happened, you know, kind of by kind of by accident um, because I was I was tracking my macros uh, really well. And, um, you know, I had been researching, I was doing fasting before I actually technically knew what it was because, um, when I was, when I was uh, tracking my macros for keto, um, I would get to where I really wasn't hungry. I was, I was getting fat adapted. So, um, in the morning, you know, when I was having like keto coffee and, and things like that, I just was not hungry and I was tracking, um, everything and I started playing with the numbers a little bit and I'm like, well, if I don't have this many carbs for breakfast and for lunch, I can save those for dinner. So I was technically starting to do, it was, you know, graduating into the, the OMAD, the one meal a day. And I didn't even know it. And, and I really wasn't hungry. I was, I was getting to where I was fat adapted. So I wasn't hungry in the morning. I wasn't hungry at lunch and I got to where I had to make myself eat. Um, and I was like, this is, this is really strange. Uh, but while I was doing that, um, my sugar was just dropping and dropping and, and, and the other end of the spectrum, you know, I'm constantly worrying worrying if this was how long was this going to work am i going to go the opposite end of the spectrum to where i have to start taking medicine because my sugar is getting too low and i was getting worried with that but um then i started i started researching more about fasting and um you know i i never went past like 46 hours or anything like that, but I did just a lot of intermittent fasting and a lot of OMADs, but, um, I've kind of laid off of the fasting some, um, started realizing, you know, 
OMAD is, is really good for like maybe maintenance or something, but, um, I started to see some binging tendencies, uh, with, with the OMAD because I was saving, I was saving everything for that one night. I mean, you know, for the end of the night and, uh, trying to pack in all your macros and, um, it was just kind of like gorging yourself, I felt like, and, um, you know, that's, to me, that was almost not enjoyable. It was almost like work having to pack in all of those. So, um, I kind of laid off of it a little bit, but I think it's definitely a, a good tool that I'm glad I found. And I know that I can always go back to. And, and I think that's, that's something that I've actually, you know, heard from several people that, you know, there, there's times where, that you know intermittent fasting or omad can be something that that is helpful and then there are times where you know because especially i, I think this is something for people who are at home sitting listening like because i think that's a fear some people have sometimes it's like i already have issues with food and if i start following a strict diet or a strict plan am i going to develop other issues and i think that potential is there like uh john shane who's been on on the podcast before um you know the 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 keto road he has has spoken you know a, a lot you know the past several months about how for himself he was finding that sticking to OMAD was actually starting to bring back that you know the 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 binging desires like those behaviors like so when you are in that place where you're working on healing your relationship with food there can be times where those things are not advantageous you know they are they yes they they may have some corollary health benefit but if, if you're also working on this other side of it, which is like more mental driven and mindset driven and, and relationship driven with food, like that, those things that we think are helping us can actually in turn, you know, generate some behaviors that end up not being the, the road we want to go down, that not be the path that we need to take at that time. So I think, I think that's a great observation, you know, experiential observation that you have because there's times where things are going to be good and there's times where, it, it's it's showing that it's not something that is being advantageous to yourself. So it's good to recognize that instead of allowing it to develop into something that becomes a true problem. Yeah, I think it's a fine line. And sometimes you just have to know uh, when to walk away from it and, and know that you can use it as a tool. But um, yeah, and, I, and I've heard John say that a couple of times. I, I'm familiar with his, uh, he talks a lot about body dysmorphia and and uh you know the self-esteem like that and i can totally relate to to some of that um especially when it comes to downsizing in clothes and you know it's, it's so many mind games and stuff that's that's the biggest thing that i deal with but um i just want to say real quick that you and john shane are uh two of the first people that i started uh listening to when it got me into uh, keto, like, uh, the, the keto man's club, um, that group there, the, the way I found that out was, uh, I was going through podcasts and I was interested in, um, I was interested in learning more about testosterone and, um, and keto as well. And that came up in one of the, in one of the searches was, uh, John, was on the keto uh, man club talking about testosterone. And so that got me listening to that podcast. And then I started um, 
you know, you came into my spectrum. I started listening to uh, you and your story. And um, you're the one that actually got me on Instagram. Like you were telling me how um, on that, you weren't telling me, you were telling everybody how supportive Instagram community was and how, you know, some of the others, you know, you had the keto police and some of the other uh, groups might not be as uh, supportive or beneficial to you. And I'd never even thought about going to Instagram. And then I did. And I was like, uh, it just um, met so many cool people there, uh, supportive family. And uh, then I started listening to your podcast and all of the people there, uh, you know, who have shared their uh, victories and struggles with and, uh, you know, just not with keto, with so many different ways. And, uh, you know, I uh, appreciate you and uh, all of those people that you have on there who have shared their stories. Um, just wanted to throw that out there. Well, I, I appreciate hearing that. And, and I, I think you're right on some, you know, that talking about, you know, even like yourself coming on and talking about your struggles today, like we all we all face some, there's some commonality between our struggles, but we all have our unique stories and we all have to find the right tools. So, you know, there's not just one, you know, that I don't preach that keto is for everyone. I don't preach that Weight Watchers is for everyone. I don't think that everyone should have, you know, gastric sleeve, like, but I've talked to people on this show that have used each of those tools to amazing success. And that it's, it's almost funny that you, you mentioned that because I, I did make a post on Instagram today kind of talking about, when people get so kind of focused into what that their way is the right way that when they see someone else using a different tool, they want to immediately say, well, you could have done it this way, or you should have done it this way, or you should have tried this instead. And it's funny because in speaking out about that today, I've actually had some people get upset and say, well, you know, you could just have done that. And I'm like, you you miss the point is that I did what I did and I found what worked for me. And I, I think it's great to hear because you, the other side of what you were just talking about was, you know, people sharing their successes. And, and you have had some success, man, with, with these changes you've made. Like, let's, let's get into a little bit about where, you know, going keto and these different things you've tried, you know, have brought you now when it comes to your weight and your, your diabetes. Um, well, um, as you probably know, uh, I went a year uh to where I was, um, my diabetes was uh, in remission or my sugars were normal. Um, I actually uh, kept those uh, in normal ranges for over a year. Um, been on keto for, for over a year now. And my doctor actually uh, reversed my diagnosis of type 2 diabetes to um, not that it's just in remission, but that it's resolved. And, um, so that's, that right there is in a, that is a challenge in itself because, you know, just like, you know, I have the concern of, of, uh, gaining weight back. Also, it's always in my head, always of, you know, this could change, this could stop at any moment. Um, you know, uh, diabetes is, is, um, man, it's it's a killer and it affects so many millions of people and it, and it costs billions of dollars that, you know, uh, but, um, 
I, I just worry that it could come back at any moment and, um, or it could turn into, to type, to type one, you know, that's always in my, in the back of my mind. And you um, know, and, and so that's, how do you, how do you resolve that though? So, you know, you're doing the things you need to, uh, to, you know, to make sure to do everything you can control to make sure that that doesn't happen. Well, the, I guess the main thing is just to, to stay solid. Like, um, you know, really got to watch out with not treating yourself. I have to personally make sure that I do not become comfortable. I cannot become complacent um, or or comfortable. I have to always remind myself of where I was and that I can go back easily. Um, stay consistent. Because as you know, if, if, if you treat yourself too much, it can become a, a habit. You know, that one cheap meal, how it can turn into a cheap weekend, to a cheap week, to a cheap month, to, man, you're back where you were in no time. And I have to constantly be on guard. And um, sometimes, that's, sometimes that's exhausting. Um, I have to constantly... Um, be active. Don't, I, I can't be, uh, I can't be stagnant with the exercise as well. So I got to keep moving. Um, and you know, as far as being diabetic, also keep my, check my sugars, even though my sugars are, are normal now, I still need to, you know, check on them. Um, so that's kind of how I've been dealing with that. No, I, I think that makes sense. And it, and in a lot of ways, it's like you've you've found this way of eating that is healing for you, but is also almost like your medicine. You know, it's the medicine that is helping you. So you need to, you know, kind of like keep that in focus and, and stay there. And it, and it also makes it, I think, not necessarily easier, but it gives you perspective on the food choices you're making. Like knowing that because I think that's something, you know the fact that you were diagnosed, you know, you were full blown diagnosis type two diabetes and to have a doctor label it as resolved is, is a great accomplishment, man. Like I, I hope not just it's something you're worried about, but also something that you're, you're proud of, of the work you did to, to see that happen. Yeah, definitely. I'm proud of it. And, but it's something that I also don't take for granted because there's so many people out there that, I feel that they're trying to do the same thing that I've done. Like I hear stories of, you know, people will say, well, I'm trying as well, but I, it, mine just won't go down. Um, I can't speak for them personally as far as what they're trying, but I just know that they're kind of, you know, in the same situation as me. And I have, it. it's not easy and everybody's different and the diabetes can be so complicated. Like I don't know why it wouldn't work for someone else like it did for me. Um, but I would just, I would just, um, I don't know. I just have to keep that into perspective. I try not to, um, you know, push what I've done on other people. Um, also have so many, there's so many people that are like, I think that they're like wanting you to fail. It's like you tell them what you do 
And I try not to say, I try not to say, well, I do keto. Um, sometimes I'll say, well, I try to avoid processed sugars and, you know, I watch my carbs or something. I don't, you know, it seems like when you tell somebody that you do keto, it just throws up red flags to them and they try and tell you it's dangerous or something like that. Um, so. No, I, I think that makes sense. Like, and, and I, I think that that does happen. Like it, it, it it's almost people make a lot of assumptions, you know, based on words, you know, and hearing keto and it, they can, it can got to kind of go to that place. And I think it's good of you to have the perspective that what you're doing has worked for you. And, you know, is there a way, could it possibly benefit someone else? You know, there is that possibility there, but neither you nor I are, are we're not doctors. We're not you know, medical professionals, you know, even when, even when I'm working with clients, you know, that's the thing that we say, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not your doctor, you know, I'm your health coach and I'm, I'm, you know, offering you behaviors that you can, you know, that may help you with these challenges you're facing. But in the end, it's really about, you know, you doing what you feel safe doing and what is working for you. And, you know, I, I think hearing, though, it is a powerful testament to trying, you know, keep the ketogenic diet for someone that is facing type 2 diabetes. And uh, it's not easy, you know, it's, it's not an easy lifestyle change to make, especially with a disease that is so behaviorally entrenched that going keto is a completely different change of behavior, you know? So it's not just, it's not as simple as a shot or a pill, you know? And while those medicines are, are fantastic, you know, for some people, like the, the thing that, that gets me is the idea that type two diabetes is a progressive disease. So medicines are not, eliminating it they're slowing down you know the effects you know they're they're extending that the that time period of when they're actually going to come into play but it's not taking it away and by seeing that someone can change make different food choices and make a dietary change and i also you know I, i'm connected with some people that have used the vegan diet successfully to affect their type 2 diabetes you know diagnosis so uh, if someone out there is listening and they're like well i did you know i was vegan and it, i did do it and it worked for me like that is fantastic like if anything i just want to hear more people saying i changed you know this this ailment that i had through the power of the food that i ate you know you made you made those changes you know by making different choices and you know vegan worked for me as well and um as a matter of fact when i was starting vegan i had some people that were trying to tell me to go keto and i was like nah i can't do that vegan's working for me and I uh, did it successfully, and that's why I was doing it. But when it reached the point to where it wasn't working anymore, then that's where, you know, you got to put that tool up and pick up something else and try and, you know, make that work for you. So I used it as long as I could. So definitely not knocking vegan at oh, all. For sure. And I, I think it probably in this, a similar way, if you ever found yourself in a place where what you were doing right now was not giving you that same you know, not giving you that same healing and that same control, you know, you, you would, you would try to find another way to, you know, to work on your health. It sounds like there's a commitment there in you now, you know, to actively ensure that you're remaining as healthy, you know, remaining healthy for as long as you can, you know, especially here, you know, knowing you've, you've got family, like that's, that's something that seems important. Yeah. Well, hopefully I never have to worry about that. I mean, I can't imagine, I can't imagine doing anything else. I mean, maybe eventually transitioning into more like low carb, but just from, just from what I know, I don't 
for me to keep diabetes away and from coming back, I think I'm on the best path. So hopefully I won't have to worry about that. Well, I'll say I think it sounds like that for sure, man. And let's talk about the other side of this, because you talked about, you know, when you went keto, you know, you've been keto for over a year. You you have also seen some some benefits on the weight side of things. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I always um, I started keto definitely to uh, lower my sugars. And um, I think that's one of the best things that that helped me is because I did not focus on uh, the weight loss. Um, a lot of people get tied up into how much weight they can lose and how quick they can lose it. And I was more focused on my, my stats, my sugars and things like that. Um, so that was just the, the perspective that I had. Um, so that kind of, um, that kind of helped me out there. And I think that's a great perspective. Like, I think it's this idea that it wasn't, because I think also some, like you said, sometimes people get too wrapped up in the weight number and don't think about what is actually happening in other areas of their bodies physically, like in, in the benefits they're seeing. And, you know, knowing that, you know, all of these factors probably came together in this perfect storm for you in terms of getting you to this place that your diagnosis was resolved. But that's a, that's a smart perspective that you were doing this because you it wasn't just that you were dealing with a weight issue. You were dealing with, you know, an illness that could threaten your life, you know, and could threaten your overall well-being and wanting to get, the, you know, have that be the primary focus. You know, it seems like it ended up working out really well for you in the end. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the weight just came with it. And with the weight came smaller clothes sizes and better self-esteem. Um even though the, the mind game is still, you know, constant battle as far as, you know, it, it, it's still there. But I still have uh, better self-esteem. And I know that, um, you know, just being able to, to fit into smaller clothes is just a awesome feeling. So that's, that's another perk of, um, you know, being on keto and, and my journey there. And, um, oh, I never get tired of hearing people especially when they haven't seen me in a while just you know making comments and maybe not even recognizing me at first so that's that's kind of cool so it, these are definitely some corollary benefits you know to the the health you've re you've reclaimed yeah that's awesome definitely. so Michael, you said you've been keto for over a little bit over a year. So what, what comes next for you? Is it just stay the course? Are there any other goals that you have in sight right now? Um, I guess my main goal is to just stay non-diabetic. Is, is just to um, reach a point of uh, maintenance, which I'm, I'm not there yet. Um, I've gotten down to my weight has fluctuated some. I, I said that I had like a uh, five pound cushion that I would kind of, you know, like to stay around because my weight, you know, can fluctuate. Um, I've gained, you know, just maybe five to, to eight pounds that I gain and lose, gain and lose. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to, to reach my, uh, I definitely, by the end of the year, I want to get below 200 pounds. I want to be in, in wonderland. 
Um, so that's kind of a, a goal there. And then just, you know, stay in, uh, eventually reach maintenance. Um, I think about maybe 188 might be the lowest I'd want to go. Um, but my goal, short-term goal by the end of the year is, is to be, uh, under 200 and then just stay, um, stay physically fit, be stronger. And, um, I'm in no rush for that. I just want to, you know, enjoy seeing some positive changes uh, in my body. Um, that's kind of that's yeah. kind of my short-term goals there. Well, I, I and I think it's and the reason I always ask that question is because I think the thing that people should realize who are at home listening is that a, an important part of building a successful, sustainable journey, whether it's related to um, an illness like type two diabetes or dealing with something along those lines or physical challenges or weight or anything along those lines, it's allowing your goals to continue to evolve and develop so that you always have something that you're working towards. Because like you said, you know, it is a battle, it is a struggle, and it's something where it's it's easy to become complacent and comfortable if you don't have your eyes on a goal, on something that you're working towards. Great. So, Michael, one of the other things you mentioned a little while ago was, you know, discover you discovering Instagram and getting on there. And so if anyone out there listening is hearing this story of, of the changes that you've made and know, want to follow along with what comes next for you or even just catch up on everything that they've been hearing and talk to you about it, how do they connect with you? Um, well, on Instagram, I go by Keto Apostle, and um, that's my that's my main uh form of communication with everybody i'm actually not on facebook that much instagram's kind of my jam right now so um i'm not on there as much as i used to be uh here in the past couple months i've just been kind of you know doing life and everything but i've uh, i definitely keep up with everybody and um i just enjoy my instagram family that's awesome, man. That's awesome. And I'm sure some people will, you know, track you down from here. Michael, you, you know, as a listener, that I end every episode with five questions I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for them? Yes, sir. Okay, so let's get right into it, man. Question number one. Tell us, Michael, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? Uh, I've, this is the one question that I've put a little bit of thought into, and it was a cross but it was a mix-up of two uh i don't know if you've ever heard this one before you t you tell me jack black i don't think we've had him as an answer on the show yet and he and he might not i hope he never you know hears it he might be a, mm -hmm. a little insulted but you know he's not like a big big guy but he's a big guy mm -hmm. you know it was it was either him or kevin james i think both of them are hilarious but i think i think Jack Black is, you know, he's a little bit, he might be in more, more of my club. I think he might've been a Husky kid. There we go, man. There we go. And, you know, we'll maybe, so, maybe someone will hear this and, and, you know, get it in front of him and, and we'll get him on the show. But <laughs> question number two, Michael, can you tell us what is one lesson that being a fat guy has taught you? Um, to be, um, empathetic to others to be more aware of how others may feel or what they're going through um 
you never you never know what someone else is going through so just be more uh sensitive to others no matter if they're uh thick or thin just uh, to treat others better I, I think we could all do a little bit more of that for sure question number three michael tell us what is one thing that someone out there listening who wants to get their journey started someone maybe it's someone who is dealing with you know a, a type 2 diagnosis or dealing with that what is one behavior they can start today you think to get them started um i think the biggest behavior is to stop making excuses um and don't put it off don't say you're going to start monday don't say you're going to start next month um start today and um just start taking some accountability and just just do it there we go man question number four michael what is something about yourself that you love ah man um that's a that's a hard question um i have heard this one before um but uh i i think the thing that i like about me mostly is i think i'm more of a uh um, I like to see the half, uh, the half full rather than the half empty. Um, I like to um, be positive about things, uh, even when things aren't looking too good. Try and try and find the positives in things. There we go. Question number five, Michael. Last one of the night for you. Tell us what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related. Um, that's, that's another, that's another hard one because all of my goals are, uh, you know, kind of centered around that. But, um, I guess I would just like to maybe, uh, travel a little bit more and to, uh, educate myself more. Just, uh, just keep on growing, um, not just, uh, physically, but, uh, mentally as well. So, uh, do that through education and, uh, always want to travel. Those are, those are always some goals of mine. I think that sounds fantastic, man. And Michael, I just want to say a big thank you to you for coming on the show, talking about this journey that you've been on that is going to continue and sharing it with the listeners of the fat guy forum. And just so everyone out there knows you, his, his contact information will obviously be in the show notes tonight, but just uh, Michael, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you and everything that you do. Thanks. Well, thank you, man. And everyone else out there, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram as well at Gourmet underscore goes underscore keto. You can find me on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. And you can also find me on theketoroad.com slash coach dash Mike if you are interested in talking with me about health coaching. So those are all the things you need to know right now, my friends. Take these, these lessons you've heard in Michael's story. Go out there. Do something today to amaze yourselves because you're pretty amazing people. And then come on back next time and catch us on the Fat Guy Forum. Mm-hmm.